Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. My guest today is Ariel Isaac Norman. She goes by Ellen DeGenderless on Instagram. And man, what a this was an eye-opening podcast. I wanted her on because she talks about the different kind of sexual, I guess, labels, I guess, out there. You know, she she's a lesbian, but she's in a uh, polyamorous relationship. I knew I knew nothing about stuff like that. And she was educating me, but in a fun way, the way comics talk. She's also a very funny comedian. And I, I just love this part. I did something different for me, and I hope you guys enjoy it the way I did. So enjoy my friend, my new friend, Ariel Isaac Norman. Here we go. I am really, really, really looking forward to this, Wyatt. Seriously. I'm going to be learned today, but in a funny way. One, two, three. Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini, and I am so excited for this guest. You know, I always give props to guests who don't even know me, and I just come out and reach out and go, hey, want to be on a podcast and let's talk, and they accept. So there's a, there's a, a soft spot in my heart for that. And this one, I really want to talk to this guest because they're a comic, and they're all about the, uh, the you know, the, the new sexual, the, 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 what, how do you, I don't even know what you call it, without wanting to, you know, to offend. I mean, honestly, you know, the pronoun game with the transgender and the binary, non-binary and the, and the polyamorous and all that. I, to be honest, I know nothing about that. I, it's like I woke up one day and was like, what? And so, you know, the best way is to talk to somebody on a one-on-one. So you don't get, you know, just vilified, like, what's wrong with you? And with a comic, I think it's going to be even better. So my guest today, she goes, her Instagram, I love her Instagram. Instagram is called Ellen DeGenderless. Uh, her name is Ariel Isaac Norman, and I want to welcome my guest. Thank you so much for being my guest today. I appreciate you. Yeah, hey, thanks for getting all my names right. It's, <laughs> it's rare that we don't have to do a double take on that. So you, appreciate I, it. I was looking at your videos, man, you are fucking fearless. You go, you know, just being in the places you go to and you hit the, the, the subjects and I'm like, holy shit. Like it gets, it gets uh, to me. I'm watching it going, oh, I, how do you navigate what you talk about in the places that you talk about? I mean, you're in like bar bars and the one that while I was watching one video you did. And it was a dude, you were talking about uh, penis size, whatever. And remember, he was like something uh-huh. like, uh, shall, I, shall I put it in your mouth? And you play, and you played it like you played with it. I think he said, like you said, KKK, but I don't think it was like that. But then you took it like that, and then you play along with it. He goes, maybe if I put it in your butt, something like put it in your butt. And I was like, oh, my God. But you kept your cool, and you just kept jabbing at him. I was like, this one, you definitely are somebody I, I love. As a comic, I respect you even more. So how do you even do that? Where did you get that that that, that steel wheel that you have? Uh, yeah, you should see the stuff that doesn't make it to the Internet. You know, <laughs> um, But <laughs> the steel wheel, I mean, in, in terms of, uh, dealing with hecklers and crowd work kind of stuff. I started a show a long time ago in Austin at the hideout theater. I had a show where like one week of the month we would riff on topics one week of the month. It would be all crowd work one week of the month. I would do heckling aloud. And then one week of the month, it was like directors cut jokes, like jokes you could never, you really shouldn't tell. whatever. And so I would just do that week after week. And now I have a show that I do um, twice a month in Austin and San Marcos where in Texas where, and I've taken it on the road, but it's called off script. And it's a show where heckling is encouraged. And so I give out prizes to funny hecklers. So it's not just like, Oh, everyone heckle us. I think when people do shows like that, it seems to be more mean spirited and kind of unruly, but because people are trying to win prizes at my show, uh, after every comic gets off stage, I give out a prize to whoever was their funniest heckler. Um, it makes people, they're trying to kind of be funny. And I talked to the audience beforehand about like trying to contribute to the show, the way that some people, you're not really supposed to heckle at shows um, most of the time, but you know, people have that thing where like, I'm helping, like I want to, or, you know, and right. so I'm like, do that at this show, do that. And so I've been doing this for years. And so I, a long time ago, realized that, you know, because because co- new comics are always afraid of hecklers and what that's going to be like. Um, but the audience, number one, is on your side when you're the comic, um, just as a default. And you have the microphone, which gives you a lot of power. And then, you know, some comics really go in for it where they just want to roast the guy. They want to just be mean and like win in that way. It's very masculine energy to try to like, I'm going to own you, you know. Um, But for me, it's more like you can just kind of let people hang themselves. They say the stupidest thing, especially if you're dumb enough, you know, socially uh, inappropriate enough. Maybe you're drunk, whatever to heckle. A lot of times you're going to wind up saying the stuff that like everyone's going to make fun of you anyway. I, it's like judo for me. I just let people, you know, say these things and then we can have fun with what you're saying. And I find it, it's just, it's 
it's usually more effective to be pretty flirtatious with people rather than trying to be angry at them. You know, you don't want to ever, right. as a comic, you never really want to get angry. You know, you want, you want to be funny. Don't get mad, get funny, you know? And so, yeah, like for me, I do, it just doesn't offend me. Men have been saying sexually inappropriate things to me my entire life. You no, know? no. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So, so it's like, you know, it's not, it's not like it's a shock. Oh my God. You, you know, put a dick in my mouth. Like, it's not like I'm like taken aback by that. Like, it's hilarious that a man would say that and just, and to think that he, that's going to be a popular move in a crowd. Like the people in the crowd are going to think he's a loser from the get go. So it's not hard. You don't, you, I would lose ground if I got mad, you know, but instead it's like, oh, really? <laughs> like you're going to talk about where you want to put your tiny little dick oh okay you know it's not hard to make fun of men and their stupid little penises so like yeah if you want to bring up your dumb little dick like see how let's just see how that goes for you well i I mean it's funny now but i mean i've been there and i've seen stuff like especially when it comes to women because i know how guys are and there's different i know there's different energies but are you ever afraid that somebody takes it the wrong way and maybe they're waiting for you after the show or maybe like I mean, you know, because there's always you got to tread lightly. And I mean, I've had situations where I got in the parking lot like, all right, hope this guy's not waiting on me. You know, I mean, and so I think about that as a woman, like, are you ever afraid that somebody maybe maybe they'll follow you or maybe they'll, you know, after the show's over, they won't take it as a joke that it is that you think they would. You, you mean in terms of me being physically afraid or me being afraid yeah. that I'm going to get sexually assaulted? <laughs> well, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, but physically afraid because like sometimes, you know, you think they know it's a joke and hey, man, we're just having a good time. But sometimes, you know, it doesn't go out and it doesn't go that way. And some kind, you know, how men are, yeah. if they feel like they've been emasculated and they get that, yes. you know, they've been drinking. So has it ever gotten that far? I mean, I'll say a few things about that. One is oftentimes if I've had a tense interaction with someone or like really made fun of them and got the crowd to, you know, you know, be against them or whatever, I oftentimes will go up to the person or just if I think I've offended someone with my jokes or anything, I often will go up to someone if if, if it's like a visible thing, if we had a real interaction, you know, if it's a few hundred people, I can't be like, oh, look at all these offended faces. But if someone and I have had a particular interaction, I often will go up to them and say like, Hey, like, I hope you had a good show, you know, and I usually try to make it so that even with my hecklers that I'm kind of owning, um, mm-hmm. they still get to have a good time. I recently had some who, who there was a couple who just wound up getting insanely transphobic in the middle of a show. And I was able to steer the ship and and not and again, and the audience was against them and thought they were great, you know, thought they were mean spirited and whatever. And I was able to, like, kind of make fun of them, but then still allow them to keep their dignity and enjoy the rest of the show and not feel like oh, we've been like, you, you know, we, we've been made fun of and we have to leave. I've had hecklers after the show make out with me, both consensually and non. How can they non, I mean, non-consensually make out with you? How, how, how does that work? Oh, literally grabbing my face. Like, it'll be, it'll be like the, this one time there was a show in Houston, which is a very heckly town, you know. Yeah, um, but there was a, a show where I can't remember what this woman, it was just, we were having kind of a back and forth. She was quite drunk and she wanted to tell all these stories of, of her life. And, uh, so I was kind of like, I would let her do a little, then I would make fun of her. And, but I was very making fun of her because I, you know, I wasn't easy on her because she was, she was drunk and she was being pretty ridiculous, but you know, I would kind of, uh, let her go and then just like give it to her and whatever. And then, and get the show on the, on back on track. And then I went up to some friends uh, that I saw after the show, I didn't, and I didn't even see her there. And suddenly like, I turned and she was like, Oh, it's you. And then she just grabbed the back of my head and like jammed me into <laughs> to kiss her. Like, and it was something where it was like, I was seeing it happening. You know, she's pulling me in and it was, it was not only like a non-consensual kiss, but it was like such a bad kiss, you know, such a sloppy, weird that it's like, I had the simultaneous impulse of like both pulling back from it and also like trying to make it a better kiss. Cause I didn't, I was embarrassed <laughs> to be a part of such a bad kiss you know i don't want people to see like this isn't how i can anyway but uh you know i also don't mind i also had a heckler in pensacola once who was also drunk and ridiculous and i had gone up to her to talk to her after the show to kind of patch things up because i you know made some fun of her after she heckled and then she like she was trying to be mad at me for a minute or two of us talking and then she was like i just can't even be mad you're just so beautiful and i just want to kiss you whatever and i was like we can make out <laughs> it was ridiculous no later in the night it turned out she was married and anyway i don't know what 
that was that was I didn't know any of that. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what her and her husband's deal is. I don't know. Um, she said she wanted to make out with me. And so it's like on. But she was drunk. So technically that was um, assault. I assaulted her because I was sober. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. And then I'm assaulted. Some, you know, so but but this does go to another point of your question. It's just the only people who have ever like confronted me um, after a show have been women. And so I've never had a man like want to come up and usually I, they I think if the ones who've been emasculated get to the point where they're, they, they don't think they're going to win with me, you know? Right. Um, but it's, I've had some women actually offer to fight me for, for weird reasons. I was like somewhere in Colorado at a place that's closed. Now there was a woman and she, I couldn't, it was like, it didn't even make sense, but she had a cane and she wanted to take it outside. And I can't, it, it, I, was, I think it had something to do with me being gay, but I, I don't know. She was also before the show. She had, she prints out little pieces of paper that say like work on your parking. And she just puts it on cars that she feels like park badly downtown. So she's obviously got a personality issue. Um, <laughs> obviously. But she, I remember like some other comics had to, cause we were going to fight. I don't, I wish I could remember what it was about, but were you, were you going to throw hands? Were you going to throw hands? I considered it. I mean, she was really, I was like, if you want to go outside, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I wish like, I got to go back and like, listen to one of my podcasts where I told that story because you know, this was like a few years ago now. And I'm like, what, why was she mad at me? But so I think th that's one thing that as a female, as someone who is female, like men still have that thing of like, they're not really trying to fight me. That's against right. the rules. Um, so I think if you're a male comic and you get into a thing, y'all, you men, you get into that testosterone thing, you get into that rage thing, you get into that like hierarchical, y'all are always, you know, who's, who's where in the hierarchy and the, you know, and so, oh, we gotta, we gotta finish this. But I, you know, that's one of the many reasons I don't transition is like, I'm not trying to be in y'all's <laughs> game. You know, I don't want to be competitive. I don't like that kind of spirit. I'm a much more corroborative. And so that's what I mean. So in my head, it doesn't always go that way. Sometimes I do just have to make fun of someone, you know, whatever. But usually I try to make it that I'm going to make fun of them, but I'm also going to allow them to keep their dignity, allow them a way of me being like, no, 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 we don't all need to hate this guy. Like, this is fun. This is hilarious. Like, if this guy wants to embarrass himself, he can't, you know, but yeah, it doesn't really lead to, at least it hasn't yet. It's never led to a man like truly being like angrily, like, I got to go beat this woman up. I mean, that would be, you know. Some, again, people, if anything, they wind up just trying to hit on me. And that's their, I think, way of trying to feel better <laughs> about the interaction is if they can flirt with me. You know what I mean? Then, and that's and I think men should try that with each other. You know, <laughs> if only you guys could just flirt a little and be like, all right, we don't have to be, you know, angry at each other. We can be on each other's side. And but y'all are so closed off to that because of your own homophobia. So well, you just have to beat each other up. Well, men's way of doing that, the, the stopping the fight or something, or or saying like a guy looks good, we're saying, man, you work out pretty good. You know where you work out, huh? Like, so what do you? I mean, that's our way of saying that and, and breaking the ice. You know what I mean? I don't know about homophobia, but that's our way of doing that. You know what I mean? That's what we say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're someone who was like offering, you know, was like, well, I'm gonna go beat you up or whatever, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I don't know, you you look like you work out a lot, but I'm gonna skip this fight or something. Like that might be a cute way, but. Yeah. So I don't know. I get away with a lot uh, as a woman. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to keep riding this train. <laughs> well, I just want you to be careful. I mean, honestly, I just want you to be careful because, I mean, to me, it's like you're still one of the I mean, to me, I just feel like as a comic, we're all in this together. We're not even though we're not we, we all to me, we're all in this together. I just hate for something. I just kind of cringe going, man, I hope everything works out for her when it comes to that. You know, because when it comes to heckling, yeah, it's cool. But sometimes I know how it, and I know how guys can be sometimes. That's why I ask I me. Mean, Guy to guy, yeah, I get it, man. If they want to do that to me, okay, whatever. But when it's a woman, it's like, oh, come on. You know what I mean? I just, I just yeah, feel for you. Again, I, at least so far, I mean, men don't tend to have the instinct to be like, let me go beat up a woman. And ultimately, yeah. you know, they see me as a woman. Even when my hair has been very short, you know, people are still seeing me as female. And so there is that code of, you know, you know you're not going to go try to beat this female up. I mean, if I ever needed to have some, you know, dudes come with me to my car, you know, I would do that if I ever felt unsafe, I would mm -hmm. say, you know, like, Hey, you know, friends of mine, can you just walk me to the, to my car? But, you know, I've never, I've never felt an instinct like that. I mean, I've walked the world in, you know, foreign countries at 3am and whatever. And I've never felt 
a sense of unsafety. It's it's there's something kind of nice about being a, a somewhat masculine lesbian. It's like from behind, I look like a guy to a lot of people. I walk like a guy. I have that kind of energy. Um, so I don't get me- messed with at night very much at all. And I carry myself with the confidence of a man. Um, and so I don't get messed with like that. But at, at the end of the day, a man would feel even more emasculated trying to beat me up, you know, because I know that's it's not a fair fight. So <laughs> Well, I was going to ask, do you realize, I mean, it's like, I don't know if it's, uh, do you, realize, you you kind of exude, if you heard this before, kind of a, a sexual energy when you get on stage. I mean, have you, have you heard that before? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I didn't want to sound like I was. No, you know, it's I. It's something I don't. I don't think I ever thought about it in the beginning or like set about to do that. But it's something that I think has has evolved and um, developed, especially as I've done my heckling show. I, I'm very flirtatious with the heckling show, and I also have a show called Backyard Sluts. That's a very flirtatious show, and it's an energy just I really enjoy. And I think as an androgynous, gender fluid person, it's where I like to be. I think. There's something there's been cultures where like the people like me in that kind of third gender space, uh, you know, tend to be these kind of sexually amorphous people. And um, there's something hot. It's the same way, you know, we, we fetishize lesbians in the culture and everyone's kind of turned on by that. And so it's like I get I, like I kind of uh, consciously now allow myself to be in a, in a slightly fetishized place. Like that's what that's what people do with lesbians anyway. And so, and androgynous ones and men, men and women are both like, it doesn't matter what their sexuality is. Uh, men and women tend to be attracted to me, you know, even if they're tend to only be attracted to men. Um, and so it's like, it's just kind of a natural thing for me to just be a little bit flirtatious with everyone. Well, as go a back, comic persona. Go back, go back to when you said something about the, the, the fetish thing. What was that again? You said, you were talking, so I didn't want to interrupt you, but it, uh, you said fetishize. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Oh, pe- people fetishize lesbians. I mean, that's just, it's, you know, still, even with all of the options, the number one search term is a porn search term is still lesbians. Um, it's just, it's just people like that. There's something we all, re- and me included, really like about women together. And okay, so, it, okay, is yeah. it Asians first or lesbians first? Which one is it? No, lesbians first. It's a- lesbians first, man. Now, a- Asian a- lesbians may, may be very popular, <laughs> you know, but um, it's like, yeah, Pornhub came out with all those results. Uh, if you know, you're, I remember it was like in the middle of the pandemic, yeah. Pornhub was like, well, let's show everyone what everyone watches on porn. And I was surprised, I was like, damn, everybody has, I've kind of honored, you know, like everybody. Has all these options, but lesbianism is still going strong as the number one <laughs> search term. So I think I don't know why, it's, but there's I not think even good gonna... lesbian porn. Yeah, yeah. And most lesbian porn is garbage, and yet still people are watching that. You know what I think it's it's best at amateur amateur lesbian porn because that way it's not fake. Oh, oh. You know, it, it's it's yeah, more yeah. real. It's so uh, I I mean I like that on on straight porn. Oh, about, sure. You know, is that it, I, I like the fact that no one. Yeah. I'm walking on the street and I, I, I might people be able are to go, into each other. So wait a second, second. Right. Yeah, I want people to be into each other. I don't yes. like porn when it's women, women faking, uh, faking desire and faking yeah. pleasure. That's I don't care for that. But genuine pleasure and desire is what you know it turns on me on. So for sure. But yeah, let's oh. just. But we got to educate you about all these terms. Let's not get lost in my life story. <laughs> I mean, I like to get to know you. I mean, I was like, you know what I mean. I don't want to just jump into it and all of a sudden like just leave it kind of like professional. I like to, you know. But I was like, yeah. But I like the. But I like the amateur. Just the fact that knowing, like, I can walk to Walmart going, I know her. That's that's like chocolate sixty nine. You know what I mean? Did somebody. The, the uh-huh. fact that you you might have a a connection there, like you could see them on this level. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. That's why. So okay. So let's go back to educating me. Now I was watching your videos, and you said, in your words, exactly in one of your clips, you said you think of yourself as a dude. In what uh-huh. way? In what way? Uh, in a lot of ways, I think of myself as a dude. I mean, for one, I date women, and I my attraction to women is there's um, a lot of the visual and physical kind of stuff. Like uh, there are some women, some lesbian types. Who seem, you know, like, well, you know, you see like, the, this is a stereotype, but like the hot long hair will be with kind of an uglier short hair. And <laughs> <laughs> now that's not, you know what I mean? There's all kinds of, com- but there's a lot of that. Well, of and course. I'm the kind where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I, I like, you know, I tend to prefer the long hair ones, although my girlfriend has uh, cut her hair very short and I'm also attracted to that, whatever, you know, I've dated a range of that, but like, um, but I, I want hips and ass and boobs. Um, and so there's this kind of 
you know, dude likeness just to the sexuality of that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just the way my brain works in a lot of ways. Now, I'm not saying like there's a male brain, there's female, but there are some kind of tendencies, you know, when it comes to raising your hand or interrupting with talking, like I have no problem, you know, those studies that show that like women in college classes, like barely ever raise their hand and, you know, aren't, aren't comfortable. And inter- like, I'm very comfortable interrupting. I'm very, you know, I, I'm going to hold the floor. Um, I, I mean, there's some ways I'm very stereotypically feminine where like, where I'm horrible at parallel parking. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> I don't really like to, uh, manipulating shapes. You know, my spatial reasoning is shit. Um, but the way I joke around with guys, it just feels much more. I feel much more natural and comfortable um, joking around with dudes than with women. Sometimes, you know, I ha- I have that same kind of wariness that a lot of guys have when you're with women. Like, are they going to be a little offended? Um, can, what what all can we say? Whereas with when you're hanging out with dudes, like you know, it's just very comfortable to be like, we're going to kind of say anything we want and go there. I mean, it's, it's hard to explain all of the different ways. I also have had, you know, dysphoria around my body. Um, it's, it's like still really a journey to be okay with my boobs, for instance, or that my, like, there's a part of me that would, would like to take testosterone that would like to get top surgery. Um, I want to look like a Ken doll <laughs> in some way, but women, but, you know, my thing is like, but I'm into lesbians and, you know, what lesbians are into is boobs, you know, like they want me to be a woman. They want me to be female. And so, you know, I joke around about that. Oh, I'm really a dude in a, in a chick's body, but I'm fine with that because being a lesbian is so hot. <laughs> Why would I want to try? I get to if God's plan for me was girl on girl, then who am I to question the divine will of our creator? Right. And so. But there are people who their dysphoria is way worse than mine. And so they really feel strongly like they want to do that and they give up relationships and they whatever, you know, if they need to. But for me, I think because I'm so naturally androgynous, it allows me to live in a place where I can be okay with a little bit of dysphoria and the trade-offs are just in favor of me, at least for now, and in favor of me staying in this, you know, regularly female body because I'm 5'8", which is as androgynous as possible. I have this jawline. My boobs aren't that big. If they were that, if they were bigger, I'm, I probably already would have cut them off, at least had a reduction um, because you can't really hide that. There's something about it. And like that kind of body, it would, it would bum me out. But for me, like with my frame, um, it's just important for me to stay relatively thin. Mm-hmm. And then I've been putting on some muscle lately, oh, <laughs> pitiful, but whatever, but I've been kickboxing and whatnot. Yes. Um, and so that's my, just getting like, ready for those hecklers. I can, before I would ever, instant, well, it's the same way that like, before I ever want to turn to Western medicine for anything else, whatever kind of anxiety, insomnia, although I'm about to turn to Western medicine for that, but, um, but I, you try to go like, let me drink more water. Let me stop drinking alcohol. Let me drink tea instead of coffee. Let me work out. Let me do all of the meditate, do all these things that I can. Cause I would prefer not to be um, sucking pharmaceutical companies dicks for the rest of my life or whatever. Yes. And so it's the yes. same way to me, like, if you can figure out how to handle dysphoria, if you can figure out how to change, there's so many ways you can work on changing your body mm-hmm. short of taking a knife to it, taking pills, whatever that you're going to have to take for the rest of your life, or it's going to be a weird back and forth if you don't. Um, and I still hold out the possibility of having a child and breastfeeding and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so even though it's like, you know, it's always felt wild to me. Like the idea that I would carry a child does seem like incongruous to me. Like it, it would be wild, but, but as a comedian too, I'm like, yeah, but it would be hilarious if I had a baby, <laughs> like it, the, the wrongness of it is kind of appeals to me. You know, I'm like, that would be so funny. Yeah. Like just to have like a dude, you know, having a baby, like all the bits that I would write about it. Like Ali Wong's done a pretty great job. You know what I mean? But I'm like, right. I bet I would have some more bits that I could write about. It. So <laughs> like, another 15 like, minutes. All these cost benefit, yeah. All these cost benefit analyses about whether to medicalize when you are gender nonconforming, have gender dysphoria, whatever. There's so much going on there, and so for me, I'm just like I always want to encourage people, like, hey, see if you can do more push-ups, you know, or whatever, yeah. before you start going. Like, let me just take what is kind of a quick fix Western American mindset of like, yeah let's just, let's just put, you know, put kids on these tracks, whether you're kids or you're adult or whatever, but like, let's put them on this track to be signing up for this medical pathway for the rest of your life. I'm like, well, 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 
let's see if there are other options. Cause for a lot of people, you're able to figure out other options. But again, I'm very lucky as someone in my gender situation that I am five, eight, that I have smaller boobs, that I have this jawline. People been stirring me, you know, when I was four or five, someone first asked, are you a boy or a girl? Like, so I'm just naturally androgynous. And that helps me to live in a, in the world in a way where I'm not, if I were constantly being said, Oh, this is a lady. Oh, this is a chick then I think it would be harder for me to not medicalize myself. But because I'm, people are always kind of seeing me as both a dude and a chick in various ways, then it's easier for me to just kind of play around with the fluidity of it. Now, were you always, were you always comfortable like in your own skin growing up? Or when did you finally realize that maybe you were different from everybody else in the way you thought or whatever? Oh, well, I knew I was different from everybody else very young because again, you know, I, I was being asked, are you a boy or a girl? Um, not too often, but, you know, enough that it was like, and, you know, I remember the first time that happened, I was like, a boy, I mean, a girl, you know, <laughs> and, and then I knew that I was this, people kept using the word tomboy, yes. some people positively, some people negatively. And so I was very, I that was, that was constantly thrown at me that I was a tomboy. Um, and so I knew I was different. And then I knew that I was attracted to women pretty early. And I knew even before, even way before puberty or anything, I knew that there was something different. So when the other girls were, when a woman would be like, would start to change in front and be like, oh, we're all girls here. There was always something in my brain where I was like, yeah, but I'm, you know, and now, you know, if, later I would say, oh, it was like, oh, th- th- what I wasn't saying was, yeah, but I'm gay. But what's also there is like, what, what it was more of like a, yeah, but I'm not like, yeah, but I'm a dude. Yeah, but I'm different, you know? And I think that's, that's the more true thing. There's, there's always been a huge amount of overlap between sexuality and gender. And we're only kind of like really looking Scratching into that yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. So, so what age was it? You said early, but what age was it? Cause what I'm getting at is, you know, I was going to ask you about what you thought about that. Uh, don't say gay bill in Florida with Ron DeSantis. He goes from K through, I think three or K through five, maybe where they, you don't talk about gender. And, and so what did you think of that? And when did you become, I mean, when did you know that you were actually lesbian or if, if, if you even knew the term? Yeah, I mean, this is all there were not having language for it when I was younger. And even now, I don't think I don't think we've like figured it out now. And now we know what to tell kids and they could figure it out if we just give them a little pamphlet. We don't know. We're still making shit up. Our, everyone's using language differently. Um, and so I, it was an evolving of, of figuring things out. I'm still figuring things out um, about how I want to put things or what's fluid versus what is solid in me. I mean, so it's this is such an evolutionary you know process it's such an ongoing organic process of figuring things out and figuring out whether things are figure outable so i always you know from the time i was little i was different um and i've and i wish someone had offered me the opportunity to cut my hair short when i was little and that's about what i wish you know i wish that things weren't hadn't been so rigid in gender ways they were getting less so we we go up and down with a lot of that stuff but there were at church especially i had to wear tights and a dress or skirt or whatever like there was a lot of that stuff until i got to college i still had to in in mormon context as i was raised mormon i still had to wear you know, they were strict about women can't wear pants in, uh, on Sundays um, and, at, and at church dances and things. So I wish that I had been able to wear pants, but I don't wish that I had been able to transition so that I could wear pants. I wish that everyone had been allowed to wear whatever they wanted to. I wish that someone had suggested, hey, you know, you could just cut your hair short. You don't know what to do with your hair. You hate it. You play it. Like now I'm learning. This is the longest it's been since I was, you know, 20 um, and it's been a boy haircut for a long time, but like if you quote unquote boy haircut, you know, haircut marketed to men. Um, and now it's, you can't, I don't know if you can even see, but it's like shaved yeah. on the sides and whatever. I so it's kind it. of like this hybrid thing. Thanks. Um, but as a kid, it would have helped me so much if I could have had some options like that, if I had been able to be more free and there were always like, you know, I was just gravitating toward boys toys and things like that. So there was a lot of stuff where it's like, I just wish everyone had been looser about, Hey, you know, girls can do all of these other things. They might, I I was frustrated as a five-year-old because all the other girls in both church and school, when they were given choices about crafts, 
girls were only doing things in pink and purple with only hearts and stars, whereas boys were had every other color, had every shape, had every interest. And the girls were just sitting there. It was like the emperor's not wearing any clothes. I'm like, who told these girls the only colors that you're allowed to like are pink and purple? They acted like this was just this organic thing. And I mean, it's weird because I have a niece now and I watch some of it going like, what, what does it? You know, this is wild. But but they were like, it was so rigid. It was like, we're only going to make hearts and stars in pink and purple. And as a five-year-old, I was like, monologizing to my mom one day, just being like, this is retarded. You know, I mean, I don't know what words I use, but like, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I just mean as a five-year-old, I don't know who knows what I said, but, <laughs> but, but I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like this people are, people are full of shit, you know? And so there, there was, I had a sense from a young age that I'm like, I just think the girls are faking some of this or I'm not like that. And I just, I want everybody to have access to the full spectrum of humanity, whether some, whether most women gravitate toward this and most men or boys, you know, gravitate toward this, but some girls are going to cross over and some boys are going to cross over in various ways. Um, so I think that's the big sense. You know, when it comes to the Florida bill, which I think is called HP 1557 or something like yeah. that, I don't know that might be a printer, but, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, cause I don't want to, I don't want to call things the, the name that the, opposition has nicknamed them or right, the thing right. that the propagandists, you know what I mean? Like, remember don't yeah. child left, don't try no child left behind was about the most let's leave all children behind bill ever. You know, so I mean, like that marketing's bullshit, the Patriot act. And now when we start in, calling things, Obamacare, calling things, don't say gay, like all of these things, like we should be calling them what they are because don't say gay is not what that law is. Now I think yeah. number one, the law is written extremely vaguely and, um, and I'm not sure whether, whether we need, I'm always wary of the government legislating anything because our government's not great at things and people do things to get reelected and it's whatever. Yes. But I'm not, I don't think that the, I don't want school teachers actively teaching children, you know, it's K through third grade. So eight year olds and below, I don't think they need to be teaching kids about sexuality and gender. Right. Now, right. if there's a gay teacher, I think that they should be allowed to say my husband, my wife, my girlfriend, whatever, just the way a straight person could. I remember that growing up. It was just not done because people were so homophobic, whatever. But it was also it was as if a gay person mentioning their husband, that was sexual. Whereas as if a straight woman mentions her husband, that was normal. You know what I mean? So some yeah. of that bullshit. But I think we've a lot of us have already moved on from a lot of that kind of homophobia. I think most people are not that concerned about um liberal propaganda getting to their kids in terms of sexuality anymore. I think that most people uh, and what's going on with this bill is, is that they care more about the gender stuff. Cause if you've ever seen one of these very sweet little kind of books or, you know, program things on Instagram, whatever, there's a lot of this where they're just like very matter of factly like, Hey kids, everybody has a um, gender identity and your gender identity is a personal thing inside you that is immutable. And and so you might have a penis and be a girl, or you might be, have a vagina and be a boy or vice versa, or you might be non-binary and people all have pronouns and you should respect whatever people. Now, this is an ideology. This, this, these are people's, you know, this is a, a made up human framework for very complicated things. So the idea that we're going to teach children younger than eight you know, and this is this happens in California, as far as I'm aware, like in some places that's mm -hmm. this is why Florida is responding to what's happening in California. I don't know that it was happening in Florida anywhere, um, but I don't think we do need to be teaching kids that everybody has a gender identity. We just made that up. We don't really know that that's the best way to put it. I don't think that I have a gender identity, for instance. I think I, the rest of y'all kind of seem to, you know, most people kind of seem to have this strong sense. Actually, when I've asked audiences to, to clap, if it's about 50-50 how many people readily say, like, I identify as a man or a woman. And I, I have a strong sense of, like, I am a man or a woman. And and we don't, to the best of our ability, it's like, it seems like there's something about your sexuality and the way that you want to live in society with its current gender roles and frameworks that gravitates certain dispositions toward masculine things or feminine things or and then other I think I think there are so many different things that lead to people identifying as trans or as non-binary or is this that or the other and we we lump it all into some people are trans or some people are cis some people are non-binary and I don't I think it's so much 
messier than that. So trying to teach kids, here's this simple thing. Some people are this, some people are that. Everyone has a gender identity. I don't believe in that. I don't know that that's necessarily true or true with a capital T anyway. And so I certainly don't think we need to be telling eight-year-olds that, you know, if someone says their pronouns are this, then that means that they have a non-binary soul or whatever, you know, like, I, I don't think we should be doing that, but I think the bill could be written much better to just be like, Hey, we're not teaching kids about uh, sexuality and gender, um, at least not until we get to health class in middle school. And then we can talk about the curriculum, you know? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I, sometimes I think there is an agenda with some people. And like you said, it, it, it's a political uh, thing personally. But I think let them – I just remember growing up, I think it was sixth grade, I think, when all the boys went in one room, all the girls went in one room, and you were like <gasps> – you know, I'm old school. So I remember seeing the old, like the old fashioned, like this is the pain. Like, I know what that is. And then and they teach you this and that. Mm-hmm. And you'll get this feeling. And that's where the sperm can I like, oh, like not knowing really like, oh, OK, that's what happens. You know, that's old school. So I don't personally think they should, you know, like let them be kids from K to three. Just let them have fun. Let them play. Let them have recess. Let them whatever. Yeah. And then hit them with the heavy shit, you know. But now the world, the terms. Well, we just don't. Yeah, we just don't all agree about how to talk about sexuality, much less gender, to kids. And so it's like, if we're going to be doing that in the schools, we all need to have a real come to Jesus together about how what we're going to be telling them. What what can we all agree on that we could tell them? Because, or what can a lot of us agree on or anything? Because like I'm like, yeah, otherwise, like we need to keep things to science at school. We don't need to be getting into the weeds of like what is right or wrong or who's you know, got a mythical gender identity that we should talk about. Like, you know, not, I don't mean to say mythical and that it's not true, but it's just like we made up the concept of gender identity. It's not a scientific concept. We don't have any science for that. So like, that's just, it's something that until we have any better science, there's no point in telling that to kids. They're already going to be getting on fucking Tumblr or whatever. Anyway, let them talk to their parents, you know, let them, or to have a private conversation with your student counselor if you need to, but it shouldn't be part of the instruction. But you think it's going to be an agenda, though, because, I mean, I look at it almost equated to, you know, the big thing now is, is critical race theory, which I think it's funny. I, I personally, I call that the truth, and Texas calls it, if it ain't white, it ain't right. And that's well, what I look at what is critical race theory to you? How would for you me, can you quickly define that? Yeah. For me personally, I just think there's a truth that's coming out on, like, what really happened in it. Like, mm-hmm. the, the conquerors get to write the history books, basically. Yeah. Okay, so you've been. I, this is the way I personally look at it. This is why. This is the way I look at it. that. That so they write the history books, and it's always been that way, and it's been hammered into your head since 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 day one. Like you go into a black church, there's a picture of a white Jesus, and you know back in the day there was somebody white there, but that's what they believe. Okay, yeah. so it's like so. Then I just think the truth starts coming out about okay, the Native Americans like the, you know really black and or African or whatever we want to call it, whatever. And you know who discovered what and who got the credit for what and you know how slavery really was and and you know and if they didn't comply, they would get their heads cut off or they would, so they had to kind of go along with the slave trade. So it so I just feel like it's a coming of reality based can tell them what really happened in history that's the way i look at it and they're like uh-huh. no 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 let's keep the lies the way they always well, were so i think this is the this is the distinction right what i think most of us could agree on is that we should be teaching more history better more accurate history more thorough history there's a lot of stuff we weren't and critical thinking we want critical thinking and we want real history but when you call it critical race theory it's just the same as like if you call it gender studies you know then it's like well this is way there's a few people in academia who came up with a thing and now it's been filtered down through tumblr and the twitter and whatever and now we've got this idea of like what it is and so some people could be teaching what they're calling crt and it look one way and other people are uh, it looks another way and the same thing with this gender stuff some people could just be saying hey look everybody can should be able to, at this point to dress however they want to and love whoever they want to and act however they want and you should expect surprises and some people are going to you know want different pronouns and some people are going to want to change it and that's whatever you could teach things in a kind of an objective this is the reality way and like let's talk about how to think critically instead of it being like the critical race theory that people get, uh, get upset about is when you start saying you know what? Black people and white people need to go in separate groups and white people shouldn't talk and white people's tears are upsetting to black people. And so uh, and you should only listen to black boy, melanated, you know, but they start getting into these realms of like, 
well, wait, what is this exactly? You know, this isn't just teaching like what actually what the Tuskegee experiment was. So everyone should know about Tuskegee, exactly. but it doesn't mean that now we but now what but we what we don't want to get into, at least what I don't want to get into <laughs> for obvious reasons, but is that we start going, oh, let's bring back uh segregation. Let's let's Martin Luther King was wrong. No, actually, we should just be punishing Anglos forever for the sins of maybe their fathers, but also maybe people very distant relatives who, you know, most of us also came from poor farmers and we're all kinds of servants, you know, not that it's the same. And there's, and we need to talk critically about uh, systemic racism. We need to talk critically about implicit associations and all kinds of, of implicit biases and things like that. We critically think, but once you label it like this gender studies kind of thing, this critical race theory thing, it's putting in particular theories from academia that actually most people don't agree on. And so that's what I think we're saying is like, it's what we, this language comes into play. And so we don't, we don't actually want, if you just say critical race theory, like it could mean so many different things to so many people. And some of them we're very uncomfortable with. Yeah, but I, I have a, your point, you know, critical think that's great. I really think it's great and all. And you've, if you say it like that and, and when in with the, with the, uh, we were just talking before, uh, what you said before, but it's not going to come down to that. It's going to come down to somebody uh, turning it the way they want it to be construed. You know what I mean? I, I just really, I just really think. I mean, it's like you know, growing up. I, I, you know, my mammy asking how old you are, by the way, dear. How old are you? Thirty-five. Oh, really? 35. I, man, I thought you were like twenty-three, twenty-four. I swear to God, I did. I swear to God, I did. So, okay, so <laughs> even though I do have some years on you, so even though I do have some years on you, it's like. I look at it like growing up the way we did, and it's like it's almost like it's almost like that Chris Rock joke. All you knew was Martin Luther King, and then there was so much more we did. <laughs> so, and we always thought the flex was going to a white school. You, you know that you got oh, that. That's it. You go to white school, you get better education. Not realizing, are they really going to tell your story? Are they really going to tell? I mean, in an objective way. I mean, so in a way, I hear you, and I think race makes people go get rigid. You know, like they hear race, and they get rigid. So we say critical thinking. I mean, if somebody's going to read that and go, hey, they're still making us look bad, even when we relabel it this. So I just really think when it comes down to it, it the truth is never going to be told if it's told by certain people. I, I, I'm a firm believer in that. Well, I be- but again, what I started with is saying we need to teach more history better. And so yes. what we could do instead of calling it critical race theory is say, here are some things that need to be in the curriculum when we teach American history. We need to hit all of these points that because it was getting better when I was growing up. And there was some awareness of, um, especially in the in the higher level classes, there was some awareness of like, hey, in the past, we were really obfuscating how bad some of the stuff was. Now, we hit we we all it was slavery was like, you know, seen as this disgusting thing that had happened. You know what I mean? And we, it was it was, it, you know, when I was growing up, at least it was like. And then we talked about Jim Crow. You know, it wasn't like we didn't talk about that stuff at all. It wasn't like we were glossing it over or anything. I mean, we went into it. We were we were like it was like Holocaust, black slavery. You know, we were talking about those things in my classes. Like this was disgusting. I'm sorry to interrupt you. But where did you grow up, by the way? Where'd you grow up? In Houston. Oh, you grew up in Houston. OK, Houston, OK, Texas. OK, mm-hmm. OK. Yeah. I, I, I just, I just um, so I think. Yeah. So I now I've, I've certainly learned a lot of things in uh, history classes, you know, or from in that we didn't learn in history classes since then. But also we had this problem. I don't know about you. Every year in American history, because it was like we would cycle every three years. Right. It would be world history, Texas history, world history or U.S. history. Every time we would in U.S. history, we would make it till about World War Two. And then like the year would be over. It, we, we would, it was May and we were like, OK, whoops, we didn't finish the textbook. There were there were chapters in the textbook that were going to cover other stuff, but we never got past World War II. I swear to God, it was like and I, it does make you look back now going, was that on purpose? They didn't want to talk about Vietnam. They didn't yeah. want to talk about the civil rights era. They didn't want to talk about how bad things were for so long, you know? Yeah. And class is over, like summer break. What about this? Ah, don't worry about it. (laughs) You know, you'll watch the movies later. I mean, (laughs) it was so. So, yes, I think we could talk about instead of talking about critical race theory, because, again, it's like that's kind of a a weird, um, I don't know, Marxist ideology or something. You know, but I've heard some real criticisms of it. And but different people use that term different ways. Right. But I think what we could do is say 
there, here's some things that need to be in the curriculum when we teach U.S. history. And when by the time that kids are in eighth grade or 11th grade, whichever it is, we're going to teach them about Tuskegee. We're going to teach them about all the times that black wealth has been, you know, stolen and devastated so that they couldn't figure out how to build. You know what I mean? Like there are things we could add to the curriculum and say, we're not you don't get to stop at 1942 and just go up. Oh, whoops, it's May. You don't get to do that. You have to teach kids these things. We could do that. I think that's something you, you could probably get everybody to agree on, actually. But yeah. if we call it critical race theory and then people are listening to podcasts where they're saying, well, critical race theory teaches that white people are bad forever. and There's nothing that we can do you know, to make up for the original sin of having descended from people with skin color at this shade now, like, and where it just seems like we are actually trying to create this reverse racism that was always a joke, you know, that's when people go. And so I think it's the same thing with gender. We can talk about gender and sex and, and all the ways of the things that we've learned, the things that have happened historically, female oppression, like what's going on. We can talk about um, how, how rigid we used to be about gender and that we, can now all open up. Most people can agree about opening up gender expression and gender roles, but we don't need to talk about the critical, you know, gender study thing that has been made up by some professors and now has been filtered down to the masses, you know, in this. Yeah. Uh, to me, it seems like, and I always try, you know, being a comic, you try to stay, you know, relevant. You try to, you know, stay hand on a pulse, whatever, but I swear one minute, it was like, okay, you know, can, you know, homosexuals get married? Can gays get married? It's net. And then I was, I knew, I knew that, knew gays, lesbians, uh, bisexual. And I swear, I don't know where it was. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa. And this whole world opened. I was like, what? And I was like, what is non-binary? What is binary? What is polyamorous? What is this? What is this gender? I mean, I knew about transgender, but I was like, what the hell? And I was, and I was like so confused. I see all these terms. Like I met these swingers, um, like a couple weeks ago and they were talking about all these different flags represent what you're into. Like, you know, like, uh, you know, are you into like, you know, like anybody, like anybody? And I thought, isn't that bisexual? But stuff. But, yeah. Yeah. And I was just, well, there's, I, there's the hanky code for flags for, but that's like specific sexual things that you're into, whether you want to get hit or you want to hit people, whether you want to get peed on or you want to pee on people, whether you, there's all that kind of stuff. There's also flags for every kind of identity now. Those are what? kinks. I, I look at those as kinks and, and uh, I, yeah. I, I don't want to go down that yeah, road. Yeah, those are kinks. If we do, yeah. man, that, that, it'd be a whole different podcast. So, but I mean, so, but you consider yourself, you consider yourself polyamorous, all right? And, and, which means, yeah, yeah. which means, uh, polyamorous means that you are capable of loving more than one person at a time is the simplest way to put it. Now, most people would, I think, agree that they can love more than one person at a time, but many people are not open to having a sexual relationship with more than one person at a time. I mean, unless they're just single and dating and then they can fuck multiple people. Um, so it's very strange to me that it's foreign to a lot of people. Um, but the idea that you might want to have at the same time, more than one romantic partner, um, you know, everyone was kind of raised in the script of monogamy. And so it, it just, it's what people default to. Um, but to me, I'm like, it, it doesn't it kind of seem obvious that you could have more than one person that you are partners with in life. You, you know, you work together, whether you merge your finances or you live together or not, there's so many different ways to do this. They might, you might have one in New York and one in uh, Austin and one in LA and one in Chicago and whatever. And it could be various amounts, but of, of how much you're connected, how much your partners, whether you live together in various combinations, whether you have sex with each other all together or in different combos or whatever, but it's just an openness for me. It's just that I can have more than one romantic partner at a time. Oh, wow. Okay. And now what's binary and non-binary? Okay. Well, the binary uh, is just when it comes to gender, which is how people are meaning that is the idea that there are men and there are women and some, for some people, they would also talk about the male and female binary, but I'm going to stick to just gender and not sex for this. Oh, okay. um, so, yeah, the binary is the idea that there's just men and there's women. So if you're non-binary, the idea is that you are not man or not woman. You might be both. You might be neither. You might be something outside of that. You might go back and forth between both, neither, a little this, a little that. Um, but that's what not, And most people, when they say non-binary, mean different things by it. Now, have you ever been attracted to a man? 
Like, like, it, it, um, it, romantic, like, like six months far. Man, how about crush? How about that? A crush? Like you saw a guy and maybe you work with him. And you're like, you know, wow, he's attractive. I'm kind of, you know, like kind of attracted to him in a way, but you knew it wouldn't go past that. Um, so my attraction to men. Yeah. I mean, I can find some men physically attractive, certainly. And it's, but it's usually, I mean, they have to be so hot. I mean, the men I'm attracted to are like, like who? Beyond hot. I'm like Fight Club, Brad Pitt and a minimum, you know, okay? <laughs> Everybody likes Fight Club, Brad Pitt. Yeah. You know, call Drogo and Game of Thrones, that, that guy, but only only as that character, not as I've seen Aquaman. I don't care about that. Uh, do you know what I mean? There's it's very particular. I like there's a certain kind of pecs, whatever, you know, and there's a certain amount of like, do you are you attracted to that? Or do you want to look like that? That can be um, fuzzy anyway. But, you know, you know, I can find some men physically attractive. Um and I can use men in sexual fantasies. Uh, really? I mean, I really like man on man. So, oh, yeah. But usually y'all are fucking each other in my fantasies. So don't get excited. Really? Um, yeah. It's like yeah. Brad, Pitt, like <laughs> Brad Pitt and Ronaldo, the soccer player together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's the best. Um, yeah, I love. Yes. Yeah, straight men only. I don't care for gay men fucking. I only want the men to be straight. So why is that? Why is that? <laughs> Military is that? hierarchy okay. stuff. Oh, because y'all don't want it so badly. <laughs> you know, it's like there's something because I I'm I like really like things that are wrong. I think growing up a gay Mormon and and stuff, and I was masturbating at such a young age and like just had all these fantasies and like sex was sexuality was so wrong to me. You know, it was it was right. uh, like every time I would masturbate, it was like this whole thing where I'm like God's up, you know, sad and whatever would rush through my body and so i think that my sexuality got really tied to wrongness and so then you start once you're not that kind of religious anymore you got to find new ways for things to be wrong and anyway but what? also what? i just like i like the aggression that's possible between two men and it can bum me out if a woman is getting like hurt or abused or used right. or whatever yeah. um but when two men are doing it like fuck y'all you, you deserve it you know <laughs> so, so, so what age oh. what age did you start masturbating what age what age Two to orgasm. Two? I was I was two or three. Yeah. Like as a toddler. Cause I know because I was like reading uh getting books from the library when my dad when I was only three, I could only get two books from my dad's card. And I would always get this audio book of Curious George Goes to the Hospital, like on tape. And like I got that and a new book every time, but I got that because I that was my favorite book to masturbate about. Um, because he ate a puzzle piece and then he had to go to the doctor and the doctor put him under and I had a whole thing for doctors for a long time. So, um, <laughs> I know yeah. what you're going for is I, Halloween. <laughs> is your Halloween outfit like a doctor outfit? Oh, I'm the patient in my fantasies. So, <laughs> you know, Dr. Bottom. Um, but yeah, I mean, so my sexuality is so like for men, when you take, when you, it's a, it's a good question you ask about having a crush on a man though, because that's like a distinction because right. I always had crushes on women. Um, I have never had a crush on a man like that. I've never had like feelings for a man. And so that's why if I try to imagine like actually having sex with a man, it just kind of seems weird and like, you know, like. You know, if I'm ovulating and I'm drunk and it's from behind and the guy's so like, there's something kind of hot, but it's, it feels more like man on man to me. If I was thinking of, of being with a man, um, the idea of like making love to a man is so ridiculous to me. I don't take, I don't see all that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I yeah. don't like, I, 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 there probably could be some men who were like, really like kind of pretty and androgynous and smooth. Like it, um, I, there probably are some men in the world who could at least begin to seduce me in that way. Like who? You know what I mean? Would, How about 1986, 1986 Prince? Mm, I've never, you know what? Maybe I have to see the right pictures. You know, people compare me to Prince sometime, whatever, but I just never, I, I have to see, I think there were weird hairstyles at the time and that kind of ruined him for me. I, everyone else seemed to be so into him, but I don't know. The way, like David Bowie, all the people that people, all the guys that people hold up as these androgynous uh, hotties, I just, that doesn't tend to be, there's a, oh, Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean. I was okay. like, I'd never really like seen Johnny Depp before that. And I was like, maybe a senior in high school or something. And that, that movie came out. I remember going to the theater and I remember Orlando Bloom was cute too, but I was more into him as Legolas in uh, game of Thrones, you know, yeah. um, that long hair, pretty boy thing going on. But I, I was just like mesmerized by, uh, yeah. What's his name? Johnny Depp as with the eyeliner. I think it was the eyeliner that got me. And he was just had these effeminate 
there was something about that. But again, it's like, I, it's hard to, I can't really imagine like, you know, actually having sex. I'm not sure what, what that would even, you know, look like if I tried to have sex with all these, I think we would just be so gender confused together. You know? Like I'm really into like boobs, you know, like right. I want, I like, I like hips and eyes and boobs. And I so I just don't like to be sexually excited. Yeah. It's just not. Yeah. Well, not, well, not to get you in trouble with uh, with your current person, but like, let's say who's your like fantasy crush woman wise. It would never get me in trouble. Again, we're polyamorous. (laughs) Okay, well, you you never know. There's no getting in trouble. But that's my old school thinking. That's my old. That's why I had you on. That's my old school thinking. So, like, you you had to pick your like, say, fantasy crush for uh, like a celebrity or a sports star or whatever. Who would it be? Um. Oh, I just I think Scarlett Johansson is probably like I really into Scarlett Johansson for a while back in the day, and like Natalie Portman. Um. Angelina Jolie back in the day, dude. I mean, yeah. But you see, it's all it's women who were beautiful, beautiful. Well, you know, I, like I love I love long, dark, curly hair. That's my favorite. So, um, yeah, like what was it like Mila Kunis and and Natalie Portman or something in that Black Swan movie? It was something that was a good. I mean, I don't know. I don't really think that much about celebrities and their, but I just I happened to there was a weird Instagram account of hot. uh um Scarlett Johansson pictures that followed me yesterday. So I was like, oh, I didn't know she had boobs like that. So that's why I brought her up. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I love it. God damn it, man. You know what? We're talking. I looked up and God damn it, my time is up. Jesus, I didn't you even know. get half the stuff I wanted to just because I mean. I told you that was what was going to happen. <laughs> but I, but you know what? No, but I loved it though because I, I mean, I was getting educated and I, I didn't want to stop and interrupt you because I was like, listen, you know what I mean? I didn't want to keep interrupting. Mm-hmm. I, I hate that when I'm listening to a podcast, whatever, and somebody has a good story, they're talking. When they get interrupted, I hate that shit. So I wanted to have you talking. That's what I, that's why I want to oh, talk to you so. about. But I think, I think a, a part two may be coming up. I don't know when, but I would love a part two. If, sure. if you're, if, if you're Prepare specific questions for part two, because I will take you on a tangent train to nowhere. If you, I like listening. No, I love listening. I really do. Man, I hope we get to work together sometime. I really do. Sure. Are you We're in this- Atlanta? Did I make that up? No, yeah, you made that up. Uh, probably because I'm oh, black. I live in uh, I, I live in uh, in Indianapolis. Baltimore, Indianapolis. Oh, okay, I, I think you told me where. <laughs> you name in all the black cities, Baltimore. The you said, of I'm from a black city, you know. I, so I'm, I know you are, but yeah, I'm I, from I, an I'm, internet. I'm from a very diverse city, is where I'm from. Houston, Houston, Houston. Oh yeah, I grew up in Aleaf, which is the. It was, I looked at it, it was the most diverse county in the world or in the country or however they put it especially when I was growing up. I mean, I grew up, it was Martin Luther King's dream. We were all poor together. There was no, <laughs> there was no correlation between socioeconomic status and race. So I thought that's just how the world was until we mm. moved. When I was 13, we moved a little outside Houston and I was like, Oh, okay. never mind. <laughs> Things haven't progressed as far as I was living, but yeah, we were all in it together when I was little. Yeah. You think it shaped that that shaped you uh, oh, as, a, as a person be more well rounded? Oh, absolutely. And I'm just like, you know, there's so many of my like good little liberal friends who, you know, have all the right politics in their mind, but they don't have any black friends. They're uncomfortable. You know, they've gentrified them out of their neighborhoods, whatever. And I'm like, well, you, yeah, you have all these woke politics, but you grew up, you never knew any black people. And so mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, of course you shouldn't weigh in on these things or whatever, you know, you, but like, (laughs) yeah, you know, I I grew up, we were, yeah, we was all, I mean, we were getting beat up by gangs too. We were like, you know, everybody was friends with everybody. Everybody called everybody, everything. It was just like this kind of post-racial world until I was 13. And then we moved further outside the city. And then there was all of a sudden, this was, I remember there was a guy in my drum line who had like a Confederate flag and we used the N word. And I was like, Oh, I it felt like it felt like going into a history book, you know, because yeah. it just it was it with a different spirit. Yeah. Wow. 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 God damn it. Ariel, but I, I still to- feel more at home in Houston than anywhere else. I mean, like when I go do comedy and talk to those audiences, there's just something that's very like, you know, organic. They're just home. comfortable with yeah. that kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but you know what? We're going to get to that in a, in a part two. I don't know when, but I, I'm, I hope you do me the, the pleasure of having a part two. Honestly, because I, I, I start following you before I even hit you up. I think I followed you like a month. I don't know how I found you, but I did. And I was like, oh, my God. I saw the picture. I was like, yeah. And I started following you, and I saw the podcast, which we're going to plug, by the way. Plug your two podcasts before we get out of here. Oh. Oh, man. Did she freeze? Did she freeze up? Oh, there you go. Okay, could you plug your two podcasts before we get out of here? I don't know if you can hear me, but yes. my you you just froze completely. Okay. Oh, I think you're back. Sorry, I don't know. I don't know what you just said, but <laughs> no, I said that's good. Uh, you, we made it this far. Yeah, your your two podcasts you have are the uh, the gender fluid podcast and your gender fluids. That's a very important distinction. Gender fluids. <laughs> gender fluids podcast the gender fluids yeah, podcast and the, <laughs> and the political what's politically the non-binary politically, politically non-binary Politically follow that and also she's the host of the off script comedy in austin once a month or twice a month twice a month there's once a month in austin and once a month in san marcus okay so. follow her at ellen the genderless Ariel Isaac Norman, thank you for thank you for coming on. I really appreciate. It. I hope to talk to you again sometime. I had a great time. I hope you did too. Yeah, sure. The pleasure is mine. I'd love to. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thanks for watching Tales from a Gemini. I appreciate you guys watching. If you have any questions, hit me up on the DM. Follow her at Ellen DeGenderless. And you know how I say about this time. You know the word. Peace.